focus on the problem and not solutions. You cannot be great if you cannot operate in chaos. Because if you can operate in chaos, the world becomes Disneyland. Problems become scratches. I can lose my car. Somebody can blow it up. I'm gonna go have some sushi with my wife and think about the solution. I know that's right. Not the problem. I know that's right. Many people focus on the problem. Wow. And not solutions. Yes, Lord. You cannot be great if you cannot operate. You heard that, huh? You cannot be great until you can operate in chaos. And you know what? So that's what it's been. That's what it's been all this time. All this time, I was in the struggle, but I was strategizing. I was in pain, but I was feeding my passion. I had hurt, heartbreak, and headaches that the Holy Spirit showed me it was just hurdles for me to jump over. Come on, Holy Ghost. I learned in the midst of the chaos. Be creative. Whoa, come on. See, did this this the things that, that we have to we we have to learn how to succeed in our business. Yeah. That's the only way that we'll have that opportunity to go forward when we take our time. And 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 we have that moment. The pastor pastor preached Sunday. He said, This is a five minute week. He said, Don't dwell in this stuff for five minutes. He said, Shake shake out of it. He said, Shake out of it and get on up. Get on the good foot. <laughs> he got five minutes. Moan and groan, whatever that is, and shake up. Get out of it. And so that's what happens. The enemy wants us to stool in it. You know. You know, he wants us to have a pity party. You don't have no time for no pity party. I I I you know, <laughs> Dr. D done been through so much and maybe I am kind of hardcore. Because I done been through some stuff. And I know some people done been worse, through some stuff worse than I done been through. But I know for a fact, the things that I've been through, even as a Christian, half the Christians wouldn't even be able to deal with. I know that for a fact. Somebody told me that. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. And they said, whoa. He said, um. She said, I use you for an example today. I just I just want you to know. I didn't call your name, but I asked a question and nobody didn't raise their hand. And I said, if God told you that uh you had to sleep in your office for two years without a bathroom, without a without a tub and a bed, and you have to literally sleep in the office on the floor for two years, how many would jump to it and do it? And she said, nobody raised their hand. He said, well, I know somebody that did it, and you would never know that she went through all that. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. That was an experience of my lifetime. I had an opportunity to count how many liters of, um, might be kind of gross, but urine. 
that I use through the night, you know, well, I tell you, I could tell y'all some stories about that situation. Wow. But I didn't give up, y'all. I didn't give up. I sold, I sold, I sold. I, 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 I went, I saw some, some memories came up on the Facebook. Like, you know, Facebook brings memories up. Those memories, Lord, I said, God, I can't believe I was still plugging. I was still helping and sharing and caring. And and, and some people was rude, man. They just didn't know. And I just smiled. Some people were so, so, so rude. They was rude to me, y'all. They was rude. They didn't know. And I and God didn't even tell me to say anything. I didn't say anything. You know? You know, so... Uh, you know, we, we have to really make that conscious conscious decision like he said. If you can't if you can't overcome through if you can't overcome through the chaos, the struggles, the pain. <laughs> hey, I have to get like Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. And bring this down. And bring this down so I can do a little intro video for my my customers so they can get their stuff ready. I'm working on your 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 documents right now. And um they gotta get their stuff ready because for some apparent reason. And they had two months, two months to get their stuff ready, y'all. Two months. Get their paperwork together. Get their money ready. Watch what's going to happen. <laughs> Watch what's going to happen. Watch what's going to happen. All right, y'all. Don't forget, y'all can go to um, Verizon and sign up for the Small Business Digital Ready platform this whole year they've been giving man they've been they've been giving some serious um gems man to help you with your business they really have they really have uh, i don't know something up in there in that conference room jesus and my um I don't my nose itching and stuff now. I don't know what that was. Oh my eyes. That's weird. I get my stuff structured. Like my own. We got this guy. I did a video called him. You know, paid my little. I paid my little consultation fee to um, talk with him about marketing. You know, we went over the little strategy or whatever. And uh, I was thinking about hiring him. You know, but when I have a little reservations, I don't second guess it no more. You know. I don't second guess it no more, y'all. You know, it is what it is when it comes down to business. You know, people want it or they're not. 
They want their business to grow or they just don't play patty cake with it. So I, I know who I'm called to <laughs> and uh, what to do. This is with my nose, Lord. This is with my nose. I'm trying to go and do my little zoom here. Zoom, 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 zoom. Zoom, 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 zoom. And I'm gonna need my microphone. It's a living document. It's something that is refreshed. And we would recommend, I recommend refreshing that on at least an annual basis because businesses change. Mm -hmm. We learned a lot, many of us, those have been running a business during the pandemic around how to pivot and adapt and businesses change, industries change. So making sure that you are evolving and your business plan is too. So that is the importance of a business plan. It also, for any of you that are thinking of ever raising capital, looking for outside capital, looking for institutional capital from a bank, a business plan will help you tell the story. You don't have that. It's something that they will likely ask you for, at least having a deck and an outline of what your business does. And again, how you're going to make money and when, and if then you are going to be able to pay back that money that you borrow, whether that's from an investor or a bank or a friend. So that's fundamentally why we write a business plan. And again, it's that North star. So let's get right into the seven components. So I'm going to go, fast, but also slow for some of these. And for those of you that don't have the actual document, let me just highlight what the seven components of a business plan. And again, this is what I recommend. It's not, doesn't have to be what everyone does, but this is what I did. Um, an executive summary, and we'll talk about each of these, a company overview, a business description, market research and analysis, an operating plan, marketing and sales, financials. So those are the seven components. Now, as we get into this, some of the things that I talk about may or may not be relevant to your business and that's okay. Some of the things might be more relevant. You may have a much bigger section than others. Everything that I talk about is all around how to make it your own. I don't know your business. So Radiance, I don't know Radiance's business. She doesn't know mine. Renee Kelly Barden, I don't know her business. She doesn't know mine. But these are the fundamentals that we can all get better on within our business. Now, the last thing I'll say is Luminary as an organization, as a company was 14 months old when the pandemic hit. If I didn't have a business plan, I would not have been able to survive because it allowed me to look at which levers to pull, where to lean into, what my customer funnel looked like, what was looking to either shrink or grow in the market, and how could I adapt to what was happening. 
And so that's why another reason why I'm so passionate about having that business plan. But let's talk right into each of these sections. And thank you, Tanya, for putting those in there. So again, executive summary, company overview, business description, market research and analysis, operating plan, marketing and sales and financials. And then a couple of these, and she's put them in there, are, are sort of that sub bullets and appendix. An executive summary is exactly what it sounds like. It's a summary of the business. But, and although we're gonna talk about it right now, we are not going to do an executive summary first. Your executive summary always comes last, why? because it's a summary of what you're trying to accomplish with the business. If you try to do an executive summary first, you will get super frustrated, you will get annoyed, you will put it away, and then you will never do a business Never plan. do it, yeah. It is always done last because after you fill out all of these sections and you realize all of the goods, the bads, the challenges, the opportunities, now you're actually gonna be able to create that summary. But what is the summary? Let's talk about it. This really shows and demonstrates Jesus. not just the story of your business, but how you're gonna be successful and how you're gonna measure that success. Will you need outside capital? Or as you're growing your business along the lines, is that something that you are going? What problem are you solving for? So, some people will say to me, well, okay, I'm not solving for a problem. I just want to create a great product. I want to create a candle or a beauty product. I might not be solving for a problem. I think we get tripped up with that. It's really about the opportunity. Where do you see the opportunity? Why are you starting this business? Because for all of us as entrepreneurs out there, it is not for the faint of heart. It is hard. It is lonely. And so if you didn't think this was going to be a successful business and there wasn't an opportunity, I don't think you would be starting the company, but we've got to outline that. So what is the problem or what is the opportunity that you see in starting this business? And how are you and your business, your product, your service, really ready to solve that problem or identify that opportunity? Why is it you? Why is it your product or service? Market. Who are your market? Who are your customers? Any of you watch Shark Tank? I love Shark Tank, right? But what do they always say when, when, when Mark Cuban says, well, what's your market look like? And someone says, well, it's a $10 billion market. And they say, that's all BS, right? How many customers can you actually go after? Luminary. Our goal and our mission is to advance women in the workforce. That's a big mission. I could say I'm out there to help every woman in the world. Well, that's too big of a market. So how do you shrink down and look at who your customer, who that market is? Who are your competitors? No one ever likes to talk about their competitors. Hear a lot of, oh, we're, we're the only ones that do this, right? I'm the only one that can solve this. And that may be the case, but in reality is you're likely to have competitors. You'll at least have peers in your landscape and knowing who they are and what they offer and what they charge is really important. 
And then what are those key milestones? For revenue, for profitability, for growth, for number of customers. Now remember, that's all outlined in that executive summary, but that's really to get us thinking about the overall business plan because we're not writing that. You're not gonna try to cram everything into that summary right now. You're gonna park that to the side. Now we're gonna dive into that sort of nitty gritty of the actual business plan. So what's next? And thank you for whoever is putting everything in the chat. I think it's Lily. Thank you so much for doing that. Because uh, you could follow right along if you didn't get the, the actual documents. And again, we'll get those out there to everyone. Company overview. Okay, so we parked the executive summary to the side, we're not doing it. We're thinking about it, right? Because now we're thinking about the business. But now let's actually get into the business. So a company overview is really a brief summary of your business. It's helping to provide whoever's reading it, by the way, but also you, a broad understanding of what this business is and what it's setting out to do, how you're going to deliver for customers and how you're organized. It's a snapshot. So think about the elevator pitch, right? Everyone loves the, the what's the elevator pitch of your business. Now, my mom is a teacher. I think somewhere deep inside me, I've always wanted to be a teacher. That's why I love doing these. So I like to call on people. So if anyone doesn't feel comfortable when I call on them, please say, I'm just not ready there. But if I see a number of you on the screen, I may call on you. Radiance, I see this beautiful smile. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could give us the elevator pitch for your business. Yes, absolutely. So hello, my name is Radiance Spaston. I'm the owner and founder of Rooted in Radiance. We are a certified women's business enterprise and women-owned small business that provides training, facilitation, and consulting services to individuals and organizations. And we cover well-being, fitness, and mental resilience. We're headquartered in Washington, D.C., but we provide virtual options. We also are very much culturally informed. So we support directly BIPOC professionals, making sure that they have um, a purpose or to know that their their drive and their purpose, and then also, also to cultivate more resilient workforces. So check me out at www.radiance.run. <laughs> I love it. Now, okay, for those, that, I mean, that was an elevator pitch, right? Amazing Radiance. And so number one, I know what she does and I know what her business does, right? Immediately. Number two, I know what her goals are and what she's setting out to accomplish. Number three, she immediately told me where I could find her. She, that was less than a minute and she did that, right? So as we think about that elevator pitch, doesn't have to be perfect, but you are the founder, you are the owner, you better come out with that passion about your business and about what it is. now. Lots of people will say, I'm not good at this. I don't like to do it. That's okay. Practice makes perfect. I can imagine that's not the first time Radiance talked about her business, right? She's ready to go, but it takes time. So when we think about that company overview, write it down. Write down what your business is. That elevator pitch. Don't just think about that verbal component, write it down that really introduces you as a company. 
what you stand for, what you're trying to do, and it could lead into your mission statement. Now, not every company will have a mission statement. I get a lot of founders that will say, listen, I'm just trying to create a great product. I don't necessarily have a mission. That's okay. Not every company has a mission. Your mission may be, I wanna be filthy rich and I need to create a company to be able to build generational wealth for me and my family. That's great, that's your mission. Um, that's okay, but what? who is your company? What is it setting out to do? And what are the principles of that company? Because even though you may not have a mission, you're going to have principles behind that company, whether you're a solopreneur, a micro business, something that's much larger. We know that now more than ever, people wanna buy from companies with purpose. So as you think about, and as you're refining this company overview, think about what you stand for, why you started this business or are starting this business. And that leads into your company history. A lot of people will say, well, I don't want it to be about me. It's about the product or the service. And absolutely, your product or your service has to stand on its own or products or services. But we know that, again, a lot of people now buy based on who they're buying from. The founder story, the why, the why you built this business or starting this business or creating this product or services, is so important. It's also important as you think about not just your customers, but potential investors, bankers, partners, they wanna know who they're working with. And that founder story, who you are, why you're doing this is so important. So I'll give you a very quick example. I mentioned I was a banker for almost 20 years. I loved it. I ran big businesses at JP Morgan, Bank of America, HSBC. And on the side of my desk, I, like many other uh, of us, was involved and in running our women's groups. And I was very focused on talent development and investing in the pipeline and helping advance women within the firms that I worked for. I was getting frustrated that it wasn't happening fast enough. I was getting frustrated that we weren't getting paid as much as our white cis male counterparts. Um, and so I decided to take all of that experience in running businesses, all of that passion around advancing women in the workforce, and I created my company, Luminary. And our goal is to advance women in the workforce, regardless of your professional journey, but not exclude men. Because guess what? We need men on our journeys, and we need their support, and we need them to be our customers, and we need them to buy from us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that was my backstory. And that has led into building Luminary. I didn't just wake up one day and say, I wanna support women. I am a woman. And I was in that business for a very long time. And so when we think about your history, it's not just about the product or the service, it's about you too. Take a moment to think about brands that you really admire. Fenty, WeWork, I'm just throwing out brands. A lot of people will say, oh, it's because I love the founder. Serena, um, I love the founder. I love what they stand for. It's no different for our businesses, right? 
So just remember that as you're building out that company overview, the founder story, um, the co-founder story, whatever role you have within the business is super important. And then really around markets and services, who is the market you're going after, right? Your elevator pitch, Radiance did a fantastic job. She told exactly the customer she's going after and who she's targeting. What does that market look like? Women aren't going anywhere. The BIPOC community is not going anywhere, right? These communities need services. They need support. They need consulting. They need advising, right? So defining that target market and how you're actually going to go after that market is incredibly important. And what are those audiences, right? They're not homogenous. You can actually get very granular and you'll do that later in the business plan. But this outlines sort of, again, that market operation. How are you going to operate? How many of you are solopreneurs that go, oh my God, I just can't do it all. I see Cynthia raising her hand. I'm like, you just can't do it all. It's freaking hard. And then I got to do a TikTok, and then I got to do a follow-up and then I got to do my bills. It's a lot. So, but how are you going to operate your business, right? And many of you that are solopreneurs, you may think right now, I'm never going to hire someone, but always think of the future, right? If you want to build your business or scale your business, what can that look like? What does that look like? How many people do you need? What kind of roles? When I wrote my original business plan, I remember, and I have the first draft, it's like, I need a chief marketing officer. I need a chief financial officer. I need a chief everything. And then I was like, wait a second, how much do these people make? I'm a little baby startup. I'm going to have to pull that back and actually look at what are the skills that I absolutely critically need to start this business. And that changed dramatically, but I had a baseline to say, okay, what are those roles that I need alongside of me to operate my business? And by the way, that could be full-time, part-time contractor, freelancer, it doesn't matter, but how are you going to run the business or scale the business? If you've already got that business in place is really important. And then financial goals. How much money do you want to make? 88% of women-owned businesses in America don't make over $100,000 a year. Like we gotta bash right through that, right? I wanna make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars a year, right? I think, is Rihanna like the first self-made billionaire? I think so, as, as a black woman and woman, I think. Um, yeah, I wanna be Rihanna, right? I mean. What are your financial goals? Oprah, exactly. What are your financial goals for the business? Don't just say, I want to make money. How much money do you want to make? But how much money do you, first, how much money do you need to make mm -hmm. in order to right. operate the right. business? Right. And then how much do you want to make? And how are you going to get there? And we'll talk about financials later on. That's your company overview, right? Doesn't have to be 30 pages. That could be a couple of short paragraphs, but it outlines everything that you are doing for your business. And uh, I'm just gonna, I just saw um, a, a thing in there. So when we say make, are we talking before or after expenses? So great question. 
So there's a difference between making money, right? And profitability, right? I may make money, meaning I am generating revenue. And by the way, the media has done a terrible job in making everything about revenue. When we think about unicorns and who's successful and how much money they've raised, revenue is great. You have to make revenue, but that doesn't mean you're making money, right? You take revenue, you take your expenses, and what are you left with? If you're left with something, you are now making money. Okay, that, and when are you profitable? Um, and we're gonna talk about financials later, but great, great, um, great point. Profit is key, sustainability is key. Revenue is a key metric, but that is not a metric only for success. Profitability is your goal. Okay, so now we've got the company overview. We've got a little bit of like, what are we doing? How are we gonna do it? Now let's get into it. The business description really frames the opportunity we talked about earlier or the problem that you're trying to solve. It goes into detail about your service and or your product and how you're gonna deliver that for your customers. It also outlines the pricing structure. This is where a lot of business owners get tripped up. Like, I don't know how much to price. I don't, am I underpricing? Am I overpricing? How do I, how do I know what I should be pricing? But you've got to outline that in order to benchmark where you're at. So as we think about that opportunity or problem that we're solving, what's the current market look like for your product or service? Right? Really think about that. Again, why did you get into this? Why did you decide to start this business? You clearly saw an opportunity for your product or service, but what does that market look like? Who's in the market? Are you targeting a specific customer, a specific geography, a specific industry, a specific community? Who is in that target for your, that opportunity? And then what other services, products, complementary services or products are you going to be able to offer that target customer? And then you really want to start to define those offer offers, your offerings, your services, your products in detail. How do you do that? List them out. What is that product or service or both, depending on if you have both? And how much are you charging? Are there tiers of services? Are there bundles of products? What are those products and services and how much are you charging? Because when we get to the financial plan, all of those numbers are gonna make a lot of sense because then you're gonna have to define how many of those customers or those services am I gonna have to sell on a monthly, a weekly, an annual basis? How much, how many candles or lotion or juices am I gonna have to sell in order to cover my costs, right? So if you're creating or manufacturing a product, you have a bigger cost than those potentially in a services-based business, unless it's very tech heavy and you need a lot of development. 
What is that pricing? Now, a lot of people will say, well, I don't really know how to figure out my pricing. And I love, I see, um, I see a, a comment from a Moss grant writer. Um, I always have taken the average of the top three competitors in my area. So I always advise one, if you're a product-based company, you will likely be able to find your benchmarking those in your, in your landscape, right? Because you have a product. Services-based businesses, it's a little bit harder, but you can do secret shopping. You can talk to potential customers or those customers that you already have. Have they worked with any of your competitors? What are they charging? You should know that because it's really important as you think about, are you underestimating, undervaluing your product or service or over? Can you discount? Can you think about discount? So, this is a, a lot of that pricing is some of it's going to be i'm going to look at my competitors some of it's going to be if you're a service-based business what is my time worth i get a lot of founders that do consulting coaching what do they want to charge an hour and not everybody puts their uh to um to joe uh, to john not everybody puts their pricing on their website right that would be easy um, but definitely do your research. And then partners and vendors. So people often ask, why do I have partners and vendors? Why is this a big part of our business? Because partners and vendors not only can help you operate your business, they can become strategic in building your business. And we'll talk about that in the next section around market research and analysis. But you may have identified incredible referral partners, right? Especially if you're a service-based business, you may have an affiliate program or an ambassador program. You may have work with very strategic vendors that actually help to deliver your business. So map those out within this business description, because this is all how you are going to deliver to your customers and who those customers are. Michelle, great point. Once you've underpriced and deliver services, you learn what to charge. <laughs> that is so true. Um, that is so true. I think even for people that have a speaking business, um, right? The first time you speak, you, you kind of finger in the air, I'm going to charge this. And then you realize, wait a second, the guy next to me charged XYZ. I totally undersold myself. But practice takes, again, practice makes perfect, right? Um, okay. My favorite section of the business plan is always the market research and analysis. And people will usually tell me, why is this? This is like the, the hardest section to do outside of the financials, but it actually can become very fun. So when we think about market research and analysis, right? This is how, how well do you know, not only your business, but the market that you're in, the industry that you're in, the competitive landscape around you, Target audiences and your ability to actually go after this audience and what? Make money. Generating revenue and making money. So think about the industry that you're in, and we always start with the industry. Now, why is this important? So let's go back two and a half years, March of 2020. For those of you that I'm in the New York area, 
first week of March, we were hearing about the coronavirus, but it wasn't yet we're shutting everything down. It was sort of, we were doing fist bombs and elbow bombs. Events were still happening. By the end of March, every event across the country and likely the world was canceled. Do we all remember this? I know it was not that long ago, but it was terrible. Now, think about if you were an event planner in March of 2020, what happened to your industry? It completely came to a halt. It tanked, it shut down, exactly. No one could have expected this. They couldn't predict it. And no one knew how long it was gonna last. But that industry completely changed. Now, there were many companies that said, I can't sustain this, I'm out. But there were many companies that were still involved and new companies that looked at that industry and said, something's gotta change. Let's innovate. People are online, right? We're on blue jeans, we're on Zoom, we're on WebEx, we're on Hopin. All of these new platforms to host events came out. Weddings were being held on Zoom, hmm. right? So people started to get creative. But as we think about the industry and the industry that you're in, can it withstand big changes? Is it shrinking? Is it growing? Is there innovation or is it an industry that really requires innovation and you're there to do it, right? You have the product or service to do it. What's the stability of that industry, right? Are there rapid changes that are happening in technology or regulation that are changing your industry? Being aware and mindful of what's happening, not that you can control it, right? We can't control that, but being aware and understanding of what's happening in that industry, right? If you're in financial services or FinTech, there's a lot of regulation coming. Crypto, we don't know what that's gonna look like, mm -hmm. but we've gotta be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And should things happen, be able to adapt or pivot. So that industry is really important. Then we think about market segmentation. How do you look at the markets that you're going after? Who are you targeting upon launching? And by the way, have you done any testing of those markets? If you're already in market, great, you've launched. But if you're new and you're starting this business, have you tested different customer segments? And looking at customer segments can be around quality, pricing, your range of offerings, geography. Again, two and a half years ago, look at me. I'm in New York City. I run a physical space called Luminary. We do lots of events and programs and workshops every day, but you had to be in New York to participate. Pandemic happens. Literally overnight, my market went from New York City or New York Metro to anywhere in the world. So the geographic barriers that I had were gone. Many of you that are in likely service-based business, coaching, consultants, again, you were probably doing everything in person. Let's meet in person. You can only do so many of those. I have to travel to do those. Now you can do them all online. Right, so how has your market changed? Not just the demographics of that market, but geography, what is that looking like? What are the segments growing? 
drinking, right? We can look back to June of 2020 and the murder of George Floyd and Brianna and so many others and all of these companies coming out and saying, we're gonna do more for the black community. We're gonna do more for diversity. I really want someone to do a business case on how many companies actually did something. Ooh, but a lot of businesses were started during that time because we said, wait a second, we can actually support the community. We need to do more within these communities and in these audiences. And so again, Radiance talked about BIPOC, right? So we know that this is important and so many businesses, again, my business was started for that reason. There you go. So really understanding that market and that opportunity and that market segmentation. What is your, I don't like the word market share. I think it's very hard to say I'm gonna have X percentage. Goes back to the Shark Tank example. But what do you realistically think you can get as far as customers, right? 100 customers or 5,000 products sold. What are those realistic numbers that you can get to? Competitive landscape, absolutely my favorite part of the business plan, and it's normally everyone's least favorite. Why? Because you have to start thinking about your competitors. No one wants to think about who's their competitor, right? But I'm the best. My product or my service absolutely could be the best. I think our services are the best at Luminary, but that doesn't mean I don't have competitors. And knowing your competitors puts you at a better advantage than not knowing, right? Goes back to think about when you were in school, right? Who are you competing against, right? For the grades, right? What is the, keep your enemies closer, your friends close, your enemies closer. Competitive landscape is really important no, because it really not only identifies who's sort of in your backyard or in your sandbox, what are they doing? How is that landscape growing or shrinking, by the way? Who are the new competitors on the market? What are they offering? What's their pricing? What are their differentiators? And how can you mitigate and compete against that? So an easy way to do a competitive landscape without writing every single competitor down and a bunch of, uh, you know, paragraph and paragraph is do a quick graph. And the way I look at it is do a, on the left side, so vertically, write yourself at the top, your company, and then all of your competitors right below that. Five, 10, whatever the number is. And I would say more broadly, your peers. And I'll get to the why I say peer write them all down and then on the top that horizontal line write down everything that you're offering they're offering pricing services auxiliary services because then you can easily do wow okay i check the box and my competitor checks the box but i check the box on this service and they don't again i use a lot of anecdotes if, for you, if you're not familiar with Luminary, part of our business is a physical space in New York. And when I was doing my competitive landscape, I looked at everyone that had a physical space. While we don't consider ourselves a traditional co-working space, we have a space. So what do I look at? I looked at WeWork and lots of different spaces. And one of the things that WeWork has is free beer. Well, 
I don't want to have free beer, but I did say, well, I could have free wine on tap. Could be a nice amenity. I said, great, I want a lactation room. I want a meditation room. I want multiple tiers of membership so it could be economically flexible for people. I wanted a scholarship program. All of those things, by doing that competitive landscape, I, I was able to then get my thoughts in order around where I sat amongst my competitors and my peers, what was my differentiator and what I was missing and what I could add. The only thing, the other thing, excuse me, is I thought about, wow, if I have some of these things and my peers have others, are there opportunities to partner and collaborate? Now, most people would say, well, why would you ever want to collaborate with a competitor? Well, they may be a competitor, but they could be an opportunity if we're both doing something different and we come together. So again, back to that competitive landscape, part of what I did was I didn't just look at New York. I looked at the nation. I looked around the world, around spaces, women's organizations. And I found a bunch of women's spaces across the country, Minneapolis, San Francisco, Houston. And I said, well, I may one day go to those cities, but I may not. What's the harm in reaching out and seeing if there's an opportunity to partner? We now have 17 partner spaces across the US in 17 different cities. Now, did every single one of those partners that I had originally reached out to and continue to say, yes, we wanna partner with you? No, and that's okay. But I am of the uh, thought process that you can create a win-win when you come together. And collaboration over competition can work well every time if you put effort into it. So when you're writing this competitive landscape, think about not the fact that they're just competitors. Could they be collaborators? Could they be partners? And write it down because I will tell you, sometimes the, those competitors that you think would never wanna work with you are actually the ones that come around. I, we've actually, Luminary has acquired two companies um, in the past three and a half years, and two of those were competitors slash partners. And so you never know what can happen when you come together and identify opportunities together. So that's your competitive landscape, do that graph. And then the last thing is your SWOT analysis. Now, you got this in your business plan document that um, was sent out. And again, for those of you that, that didn't get it, you will. If, have you ever done a SWOT analysis for your company? A lot of people will do it if they've worked in corporate America because they've worked on a project or a product or a business. But doing it for your company and your business is so important. And it's actually, if I could ask all of you to do one thing out of this, if you don't do your business plan, you should do the SWOT. The SWOT actually really helps you firm up everything about your business. So let's, let's talk it over. What's a SWOT anyway? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And when we think about a SWOT, the strengths and opportunities is the fun part. It's the easiest part. So we're not gonna do that first. 
we're going to do the weaknesses and the threats first. Why? Because it's going to make us feel terrible. It's going to make us want to quit. It's going to make us feel uncomfortable. It's going to probably make us want to cry. Why am I doing this business? There's too much ahead of me. I hate it. I'm not doing it. And great. Get it all out. And then you're going to put it to the side and you're going to take a couple hours or a couple days and you're going to come back and we're going to do the strengths and, and opportunities. And you're going to remind yourself why you're doing this business. Now, I will say sometimes in doing this SWAT, you may find that, is this really worth it for me to do this business because of everything that is ahead of me or insurmountable. And let's talk through that. So on this, the weaknesses and the threats, when we think about the, and that's on the right side of the SWAT, the weaknesses, sorry, the strengths and the weaknesses. So everything on the top are really things that are internal. They are somewhat in your control. Your opportunities and your threats, which are on the bottom half of that SWAT, are out of our control. They're external forces. So on the right side, as we look at the weakness and the threats, let's look at the weaknesses. What are the weaknesses of our businesses? What are some disadvantages that your business is facing? It don't have a good website. It don't have technology. I don't have social media or personnel to do technology or social media. I don't have cash flow. I don't have capital. Don't have investors. I lack experience. Right? I've never run a business before. I've never built a business before. I don't know what I'm doing. I have a business, but I'm already losing sales. I may have part of a business, but I'm missing some capabilities. What are all the weaknesses that are ahead of you? If you're a product owner, suppliers, supply chain. Now, not necessarily you can't control supply chain and the challenges, but you can control the suppliers that you work with, the vendors, the partners. Those can easily become weaknesses if we don't choose the right partners, vendors, and suppliers. So write all those weaknesses down. Don't be shy. Literally write everything down, small, medium, and large. And again, like I said earlier, you are going to feel bad. I did this and I felt bad. I do this every six months and I feel worse. And then I go on to the left side, but write those down. And then you're going to go to the threats. And remember, those are those not necessarily in my control, external forces. Think about two and a half years ago. Did anyone think that a pandemic was on the horizon, that it was going to shut down the world? No. But there are recessions, there are depressions, there are economic movements, there are geographic issues, there are political issues, there are rising taxes, inflation. These are things we can't control, but they are threats to some of our businesses. Competitor actions. 
your competitor has a lot of money or has raised a lot of money or has a lot of staff, they can actually do more because of that opportunity. Maybe they're doing so paid social media. I don't have paid social media. Competitor actions are a big threat. You can't control them, but you need to be aware of them. Losing staff, if you have staff, I'm leaving, I'm going on to the next opportunity. My competitor has hired key staff, whatever that is. These are threats to your business and market demand. It goes back to that market opportunity. How is the market changing? How is the industry changing? Is there still a demand for your product and services? So we've got to write all of those weaknesses and threats down every single thing that you can think of. And remember what I said, you're going to feel pretty bad. You're going to park it to the side, whether it's a couple hours or a day, whatever. Do not do your strengths and weakness, uh, strengths and opportunities immediately because you need some time to let it sink in about all of the things that are part of that weaknesses and threats. Now, okay, it's done. You've done it. Now we're going to get to the strengths and the opportunities. And now because you've outlined the weaknesses and threats, you can immediately start thinking of ways to mitigate those with your strengths and opportunities. So let's think about strengths, right? On your weaknesses side, we talked about lack of experience. I've never started a business, but why are you starting the business? You have credibility in X, you have a background in Y. Why are you the person starting this business? Capabilities, not just of the you as the founder, the capabilities of the business, the services, the product. If you have financial reserves and capital and cash flow, and you already have generate, you're already generating revenue, or you are generating revenue before you even launch the business pre-sold your value proposition is a huge strength who you have on your team if you have a team you are an asset what are your assets what are the strengths and start why did you start this business in the first place so you can list all those strengths you can go back to those weaknesses and think about how you would combat those weaknesses and that's gonna fill out more and more of those strengths. And then you're gonna to get to the opportunities and you're gonna say, wow, based on what I know in this market, in this industry, what I'm doing, there's a ton of opportunity. There's new innovation to be had. There are new segments. There are new types of customers. There's new products I can develop, new services, partnerships, right? Remember those competitors who can become partners. What are the opportunities that you see now and in the future? Write all of these down because this allows you to test and analyze the validity of each of these. Now, hopefully when you get done with your strengths and opportunities, you're like, this is great. I'm on a path. I've done this. I'm writing my business plan or I'm refreshing my business plan. I can do this. But like I said, there may be people that say I've done this and doesn't make sense and that's okay. But that may also bring up new ideas and new ideas for new businesses 
based on what you've written out. So when I talk a lot about the SWOT, it's important that we do that because it just gives us a frame of reference for the business. It's, it's like a mini roadmap for your business plan. So once you've completed that SWOT, now you've got your SWOT analysis, you've got that competitive landscape, that graph, you understand what that market segmentation looks like, and you are now ready to talk about how you're going to operate. Now, most people will say, well, that's just me. I'm a solopreneur. I don't need to operate. I don't need an operating plan. You absolutely need to have an operating plan. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, no one needed to advertise on social media. No one needed to do anything. There wasn't social media. We did, people used newspapers, they used, God, telephone books and telephone book advertisements. They used TV and magazines. All of that has changed because of the digital landscape. We operate differently as businesses. And so whether you're a solopreneur, you're just starting to hire, you've got teams, how do you operate your business? And it's not just about the tasks and how you complete those tasks. It's about how you deliver those services and those products to your customers. It's about how you get paid and when you get paid, which is pretty darn important. It's about how you leverage technology. It's about key customers and partners. It's about facilities. If you have a facility, if you have a vendors, if you have manufacturers. So let's think about it. It's how you operate develop and maintain, retain your customers. Not just how you do your business, how you stay in business, right? None of us are starting businesses because we want to go out of business. We want to sell out business and make money, but at this point, operating our business. So think about fulfillment. How do you deliver your products and, and your services. What's the customer experience? Are you tracking the customer journey? Are you tracking your customers? How are you tracking? Do you have a CRM system? Are you doing it on an Excel sheet or a Google sheet? How are you tracking who buys from you? How are you tracking if you lose a customer, when can you go back to try to sell them again? Conversion rates. That is all part of fulfillment. Retention of customers, customer attrition. That's all, all part of fulfillment. And customer service, communication. How are we tracking that? How are we fulfilling what a customer buys from us? Again, whether it's that candle or a juice, all the way to, I had a coaching hour with you. How are we tracking that? Payments. One of the most forgotten about thing in any business plan. How do I get paid? And when do I get paid? Do you have terms and conditions? 
how do you get paid? Do you get paid through Venmo? Do you get paid through PayPal? Do you get paid through wires? Do you get paid through a credit card? Not only how you're getting paid, how are you tracking that? Pricing plans. What platforms are you using? QuickBooks. How are you accounting you for all of these? This is part of how you operate. Also a great lesson in expenses. So in order to operate, we have to spend money, right? We have to buy certain things depending on your business. You may have to hire staff. You may need to have technology to do your business like most of us. How you look at expenses, what are those expenses in order to operate your business? So again, Luminary, I have a 15,000 square foot space in New York City. That's how I operate part of my business. Well, I should probably know how much I'm paying in rent every month and utilities and staff and toilet paper and water and everything else. That's also part of how I operate. It's not just, I'm going to make a lot of money and I have a lot of customers. It's how do I operate? Technology is a big part of operating plans, especially now because of what's happened in the pandemic. What are the technology needs you have in order to deliver your product or service? If you're an e-commerce platform, because you're doing, uh, you've got a product, if you do things on Zoom or WebEx, whatever platform you're using, what are the technology platforms that you rely on to operate your business? You have an app, you have a website, what's the customer experience tied to that technology platform? Anything that you need to manage your business, both from a customer facing standpoint, but also behind the scenes. Key customers and partners. We must identify critical partnerships that are important to the success of the business, but also customers. If you have a customer that's generating more than 10% of your annual revenue, you've got a big threat. Because what if that customer leaves? How are you backfilling that 10 plus percent? 10% of any operating plan or any, any revenue is very, very big. So what is your pipeline? How do you fill that pipeline? Who are those key customers you really have to pay attention to? Do you have referral partners? Do you have anyone that is helping to generate revenue for you? So key customers and partners. And to your question, how can you answer those questions if you have not started yet? Well, you need to start defining what that looks like, right? You've got to write that business plan in order to answer those questions. And ask those questions of yourself and of your business. Hiring. I don't know how many of you are solopreneurs or right now solopreneurs haven't hired yet, but are there roles that you would like to hire for in order to do your business? 
Virtual assistant, great example. A lot of solopreneurs will say, I can't do it all. I don't have time to do the email follow-up and do the social and do the actual business and everything else. Virtual assistants, right, are a great opportunity for solopreneurs because they can do a lot of the administrative work at a very much lower cost than hiring full-time or even part-time. But who are the critical people or staff that you need to run your business or ultimately if you're going to grow or scale your business? And what do those roles look like? And this is a great, I love this point that just made about hiring. If, if you're hiring or you have to hire, you have to understand what kind of roles you're looking for. Ask people in your network. For example, when I started Luminary, I had to hire someone in programming and development, in marketing, in um, a number of community management. That's, I came from, I'm a banker. Those were not roles that I understood. I knew that I needed them. So I went into my network. I went into a friend who ran learning and leadership development at an organization. I went to people that did community management at working at Equinox. And I said, hey, can you tell me what I don't know? Great. These are the things that I need to be looking for when I hire. Can you help me think about salary? What do these people make? Remember, I came from banking, very different. Three, can you help me interview? Now, not everybody make, will say yes, they don't have sure time. The if they believe in you and your business and you've laid out what you wanna do and why you're starting this business, I can tell you, there will likely be very few people that will say no, they wanna help you. This is a great way for them to get involved and in just doing an interview. Are they the right fit for your business? Do they understand what you're setting out to do? And your business plan, by the way, even a modified, very short business description, executive summary, giving that to potential staff is really helpful. Because then they understand what you're setting out to do and why you want them on the team. And also, if you want them on the team. And then facilities and vendors, right? It might not be applicable to everyone, but if you are have an office space, if you need a space, if you have a brick and mortar, you potentially will want that. What does that look like, right? In order for operate the business, if you have a co-working space that you're working out of, do you have a lease? All the things that you need to really run your business. Vendors, again, key vendors to run your business, technology, suppliers, amenities, if you're using vendors for HR and payroll. This is how we operate our business. Right, so this can be as long as you want, as short as you want, but it better cover those key pieces because it's not just about, I have a bunch of customers. How do you keep those customers? How do you create the best customer experience for those potential customers? How do you retain those customers? And then how are you managing the business? I could sell a million customers, but if I don't have people to manage that customer, then my business is gonna fall apart, right? Supply and demand. We hear a lot from product owners. I wanna get into Walmart and I wanna get into Sephora. I wanna get into, that's amazing if you can, but are you equipped to be able to do that? And these are some of the key questions that you need to ask yourself. 
is my business set up for success to operate properly? And yes, Radiance, virtual capabilities, absolutely. Um, actually, yes and no. I mean, that's really technology, right? Um, I don't think it's necessarily facilities. Facilities is more, do you have, do you have to be in a physical space to run your business? You know, if I need a brick and mortar, for example, Luminary, we have our New York space, right? But if tomorrow that building, I hate to say it, I don't want to jinx myself, like went away, could I still run my business? Yes, because we now have this huge virtual offering, right? That didn't exist pre-pandemic. Um, but really that facility is, is like, do you have, do you have a lease? Are you sharing it? You know, what does that all look like? But if you don't require that. Yeah such an important element of the success of your business. Now, everyone will likely always go to, oh, I need paid social media. So park that to the side. Thinking about a marketing and sales plan is much more than paid social. And to be honest, and I am absolutely not an expert in this, paid social, now everyone does it, it is becoming less effective. Right? Think about all the ads you get and the sponsored ads. When I pull up Google now, I see five different sponsored ads before I actually get to the link that I really want to click on, right? I don't want to click on the sponsored ads. So when we think about advertising and marketing and sales, a lot of people immediately go to paid social, which is a part of it, but let's park that to the side. How are you going to market? What are the channels of marketing that you can tap into to generate leads? to look for new sources of revenue. Now, marketing is a big bucket. Marketing could be, I have a referral program. I have an ambassador program. I have partnerships that I work on to help me generate, to market. I have a newsletter. Free. I mean, MailChimp is relatively free or low cost. Newsletter. Think about marketing channels that are more organic than our automatic go to the paid social. Speaking opportunities. One, yes, try to get paid anytime you're speaking, but especially if it's for a large company that we know has a budget, but look at our unique speak opportunities for speaking because if someone's asked you to talk about yourself, you talk about your business. It's a great marketing tool free to be able to talk about your business. How are you promoting the business? Look at your network. Hey, can you send out in your newsletter, you may have another founder that you work with, a friend in your group, can you send out about my business? Can you share on social? Think about those marketing channels a little bit differently than we're being told right now that it's all about putting it on paid social or social. There's lots of ways to market. Storytelling, Radiance, storytelling. Income when taxes I think are of a pay-as-you-go system. That means you pay your taxes as you earn income to. during the it's year. It's all about storytelling. Either it's your not employer about just telling my story, taxes from your pay, or you it's pay about quarterly estimated taxes on your own. If you have and income that's not subject to withholding, you may need to make quarterly payments. Storytelling. 
This includes income such Why as self-employment income, Why interest, dividends, prizes, and right? rental income. You didn't just income. think wake up one day it and may also a include company. income earned from gig work. Or you built the company. It goes back to that founder story. Like, get it out there. Tell your story over and over. Why would someone want to buy from you? The why is so, so important. Your story. And PR. PR doesn't mean I have to go hire someone. Now, it could, but there are lots of ways to do PR. LinkedIn. LinkedIn is an incredibly powerful platform for content and thought leadership. Be a thought leader, be an expert on LinkedIn, drive people to your profile, always tag your company profile and start to generate that people want to come because they want to listen to you. They want to hear from you about your product, about your business. They want your point of view. Reach out to journalists. I hear a lot from journalists that they'd much rather hear from the founder than from someone in PR. Again, doesn't mean that PR is not effective. I have a PR person now, but I also try to develop relationships on my own as the founder with many journalists because I want to tell my story and I want them to hear my voice, not just someone who's trying to pitch them. Think about ways to utilize events where your message is out. Tanya, yes, um, I would always say if you have the opportunity to create a separate LinkedIn profile for your business, yes. Because what happens is people will go to your profile and they'll kind of try to figure out who you are and what you do. If they're able to click on a link within your own personal profile to go to your business, and find out what that business does even better. 80% of Luminary's website traffic comes from our LinkedIn, not from Instagram. Now that may be different for lots of different businesses, but from our perspective, LinkedIn is a great tool. We're not paying for anything on there. We're just using it as a platform to deliver what we do and how we want to impact women and our male allies. So thinking about social, right? That's a great way where I'm not putting do marketing dollars behind something, but I am putting thought and content on that platform to get the word out. A newsletter is another great way. I don't know how many of you use newsletters, but you can use LinkedIn newsletter if you don't wanna write your own, if you don't have a big email distribution list. Um, but the other thing around a marketing channel is getting email addresses, right? You've got to get email addresses. Are there different ways for people to come to your website and something right, pops so, up so and says, if you want to learn more, give us your email address. Um, There's lots of different SS ways tax, to get your message. Taxes, I said yeah, it in like the very beginning of this session. Different, um, it's different types Everyone of is on a platform channel, like this throughout the day. You can always go to Whether you're coming to an event, you're going to a networking. Any information you need. 
Most Put of the time, people don't want to take time out to read the information. In the chat. They want somebody to tell them or consult them. Put your handle, a link to your website. Lots of people save the chat. I save almost every chat, and I'm on a lot of Zooms. All you do is click on that little three button down by the, the bottom and it says save chat or download chat. Now I can go back and I can click on those. I can also follow up. I can also then send LinkedIn notes and say, hey, Bijal, I need to connect with you. We were on that session for Verizon Small Business Digital Ready for bootcamp. You were on there, I was on there, I'd love to learn more. The worst people can do is say no. If you don't give them an opportunity, then you're kind of defeating yourself. Put everything in that chat. What's the harm in introducing yourself? I love it. Save the chat, download the chat. You never know what can come up from that. And one other little thing that I would say, and some of you have it, when you're on a virtual platform, if you can, in your name, add the name of your company. Because now I see Renee Kelly Barden, and then I know what her company is. Amazing, easy. I didn't know that. If I would meet Renee at an event in person, she may give me a business card. Do people even use business cards anymore? But online, it's so easy now. The other thing that I always recommend, and you wouldn't even know that I already did it, is take a picture. Take a picture of this screen. Because now, not only do I have all of the names of people that I could potentially follow up on, those can all be potential opportunities. You never know. And if we're wasting all of this crazy technology and the fact that we've been in a virtual world for two and a half years, then it's a missed opportunity. So a little bit of like small tips, but free marketing for your businesses. Um, and the next thing that I would say is think about conferences that you attend. Again, Radiant Spence shared experiences. Are there opportunities to promote your business? Panda, I love it. See, speaking of pictures, when you need pictures for your business, please contact me, www.chandahopkinsartistry.com. Does that take more than one minute for her to put that in there? Nope, free marketing, free advertising, and I just said it. Also, make your asks in the chat. Hey, I need a web designer. Hey, I'm looking for a freelance social media person. You never know who's on these. Word of mouth. Don't underestimate word of mouth, right? Think about how we get customers. 90% of the customers I have at Luminary is through word of mouth. It is powerful. So goes back to that operating plan. How do you deliver for your customers? What is that customer experience? Make it good. Get testimonials. Get testimonials, put them up on social. Put them in your newsletter. 
have someone write a mini op-ed for you for your LinkedIn profile. Hey, I'm a customer of UR Prospects and I love the founder, Christina. Testimonials are some of the best organic ways to market. Don't make them long, couple sentences, throw a quote up on your social media, tag that person that, that is in that testimonial. Do video. We know video is what people are looking for now. Ask someone say, hey, you love my product or my service. Can you do a 10 second video? Put it on social, put it in your newsletter, embed it on your website. Therese says it, they're at the top of my website. Testimonials are a great way. And again, if you can use quotes, you can get small snippets of videos, amazing. And then as you think about more broadly, SEO, email, building that email list, all of the things that are gonna require marketing dollars or dollars behind that, as we get into the financials, you then can outline like, how much do I need? If someone said to me three years ago, hey Kate, what's your marketing budget for social and SEO? I didn't even know what SEO was. Remember, I was a banker. Why would I need to know what SEO is? I didn't even know what the term meant. And then I had to talk to someone. I went to my network. What does SEO even mean? Oh, do I have to pay for that? You need to also understand what you're paying for before you pay for it. A lot of people put money behind paid social. They don't know what they're doing. So that really think about your sales strategy, right? Marketing channels, looking for what's that customer target. What's your sales strategy? Are you the salesperson, right? Solopreneurs, that's it. You guys are the salesperson, but are there partners out there? Are there some of your competitor peers that could become collaborators? Could you pull together your service, their service, and you create a bundle and it's a win-win? Do you hire someone to do sales? they part-time? Are they full-time? What does that even mean? Events, pop-ups, conferences, speaking engagements. These are all great ways to market your business, but you have to build that out and how much effort you need to know when you can pay yourself back. The okay. other thing, yes, Radiance currently still at us dropping. Um, the other thing you need to know is you gotta pay yourself. When are you paying yourself? Are you immediately paying yourself? Does that expense, a lot of business owners forget in their expense line to create a payment to themselves. They may have staff, but they forget to pay themselves. So remember, how much do you want to make? There was a, I have to go back, hold on in the chat, which I loved, I saw. Begin with the end in mind. What is your end game? Financially, what's your end game? Strategically, do you wanna have this business forever? Do you wanna pass it on to someone in your family? Do you wanna sell it and make a lot of money? 
And by the way, if you want to make a lot of money, be vocal about it. Because we get nowhere by not telling people to buy from us. I get a lot of people saying, oh, I'd love to support you. How can I help? You can buy from me. Right, right. So have that end game in mind. I love that healing SAC, begin with the end in mind. Um, I know we have about 10 minutes left. Um, I'll, I, I know that's not enough for, I was trying to see other questions in here. Um, yes, Bridget, buy from me. That's how you can support me. Uh, and by the way, if someone says, well, can you give it to me for free? Unless you're bartering and there's a really good barter in there, never give anything away for free. Discount, you can do discounts, but the minute, the, the minute you give away something for free, you've devalued you and your business and your time. And if you follow me on LinkedIn, I write about this quite a bit. Women are always the hey, can I get it for you for free? Can I, 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 I'm just starting out. I'd love for your business. Well, you wouldn't ask a doctor for free services. Why would you ask anyone else? Yes, go ahead, Christina. Um, so in my business, I have kind of like a, a chicken or egg situation when um, looking at our prospective customers. We need the colleges and universities to buy in to sell to the students, but we need the students for the colleges and universities to buy in. So the biggest issue me and my team have had is who do we target first? Like we figured out the payment structure will likely be the students have to pay first and then get the colleges on board. Mm -hmm. But how do we pitch it to them to buy in when I need, it, it's just, I need both. In What's order the business? So uh, I am the founder of UR Prospects. It is a, a going to be a multi-platform, mostly starting with an app of college recruitment. So it's going to help um, two to four star athletes um, that are underrepresented and underrated. So they have the skills to play in college, but don't have the name recognition that they are being currently being recruited to match with schools that have scholarships, but may not have the name recognition to get all of the students. So I'm a student from Bowling Green State University, a division one Mac school that very few people know about. They would be our target schools or HBCUs um, and junior colleges. So underrated and underrepresented schools paired with underrated and underrepresented students. So first of all, amazing business. That sounds <laughs> And I know Bowling Green well. They're awesome in football. They are a powerhouse too. Um, I saw a little note in there, go Gamecocks. My nephew is a Gamecock. So I'm a Terp. I went to Maryland and I played sports as well. Um, you know, I would say actually on that and, and I not knowing at the top, you got to go where the money is. And the money is actually the colleges and university, right? And they want these athletes. So you can simultaneously, while you're pitching those students, target these universities and sell them on the message around why they want to work with you to get these prospects, right? These are people that are flying under the radar. They're also not the prospects that every university and college are going after, particularly the ones that you were talking about. So sell them on the story 
versus I got to go find all these students first. No, you need their yes, money yes, to yes, go yes, and yes, find yes, those yes, students. So, so I think you have a little bit of a two pronged approach. I would put a lot of effort behind the colleges and universities because they're the ones that are going to have the money. The students are the ones looking for the scholarships. They're going to have a very, very small budget to go and find that. Um, unless you're targeting some, you know, again, institutions that that students from institutions that have money. I, my view is you go where the money is and the money's going to be in the colleges and universities. And by the way, you target the universities that need help, right? That need to raise their profile. The HBCUs, the, the D1s like Bowling Green and others that people are like, wait, I didn't even know they were, they were D1. That's who you target, right? Because you're helping them tell their story and how they're getting these recruits that no one knows about. Okay, thank you. Uh, and we also are pitching so that the students, they pay the least because our competitors are ridiculously unaffordable. So that when you were talking about pricing, it's like we're going to probably undercut the market for that reason because we're targeting people mostly in inner city schools yep. and um, school places where they can play. They just don't have the, the resources to be able to get recruited. On yeah, the they don't have the network. Right. Right. Right, you're providing them. Yeah, business model. Thank you. Anyone else? We got a few minutes. Left. I do. I have oh, a yeah, sure. Jump in, Just to kind of like revisit, going back to the top, the executive summary, and how all this blends together to make that. Yeah, so now, great, so good, good full circle. So now you've done all the hard work. And by the way, a business plan, and I know there was a question earlier, you know, business plan template, lean business plan, whatever they're called, it really becomes what is relevant to you. I, I like a full business plan, just, just how I work, that's how my brain processes things. But if it's a deck, then do a deck. But at the end of the day, your executive summary comes back full circle to why you're doing this business, how you're going to make money, who your com your customers are, and how why you're going how you're going to be successful. Right? Radiance, you're a solopreneur, right? So, you're not out there I don't think going out and raising money and trying to figure out who can, you know, invest in you. You maybe eventually depending on your business, but you just want to be able to tell that story. So think about your executive summary. Let's think about it in a completely different way. Forget investors, forget banks, forget customers. Think about it if Wall Street Journal, Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, here's about you. Hey, Radiance, what does Radiance do? You can quickly send them your executive summary. Right? It's basically just that that little bit so they know who you are. If you're hiring someone, here's an executive summary about my company. But it doesn't have to be, it, that it is a summary. People get tripped up with, I have to have a million things in there. If you look at the document, you've got seven, six things, opportunity, solution, market focus, competitive advantage. If you wanna add in ownership, you are a solopreneur, it's the, you don't have to have that. And you don't necessarily need to add in anything on financials because that's really for people that are looking at you because they want to invest. Yours is all about opportunity, solution, market focus, and your competitive advantage. 
why you're in this business, why you're going to be successful. Thank you. If you know any of those magazines and they're just looking to, you know, interview some people, you can tell them. Well, here you go. I'm going to put something in the chat. It's um, helpareporteroutout.com. Oh, yes. Thank you. Perfect. Um, help a reporter out. Whoops. It's help. I, I put the wrong help a reporter out. Sorry. There you go. That's a great one. Um, you can, there are tons of journalists on there that are always looking for different experts. It, you might respond to 20 and get one, but it's a great tool as you're starting to build up credibility um, and be on LinkedIn. Really utilize that for thought leadership because by the way, the algorithm in LinkedIn starts to push out. If somebody picks that up, you could be a top search a lot of journalists are going to LinkedIn and um, looking at content. All right, um, I am, by the way, if anyone wants to find me, I'm putting in my LinkedIn right here um, in there. If you wanna find me at Luminary, where uh, we are Luminary. I know someone asked earlier um, in the chat if we had, we have a lot of fellowship programs um, for women business owners, particularly women of color business owners. We are launching four uh, new programs uh, starting in September. So stay tuned on our social if you're following us, whether you get our newsletter. We are, is that, sorry, I have to type as I'm talking. So sometimes at We Are Luminary is our, follow that if you're looking for uh, and need some help, but we are launching four and that's gonna cover about, uh, 300 or 400 fellowships just in the fall for women business owners. So, um, and listen, I would also, last thing is please check out more of the courses on the platform, Verizon Small Business Digital Ready. They have great courses on customer fit, marketing channels, financials. This is a live program, but they have tons on the platform. And if you don't know, there's also the more you do, the more you take, then you can be eligible for all of the Verizon Small Business Grants that are out there, and those are financial monetary. Um, so thank you everyone for joining. I really appreciate it. Um, there's a survey that Tyler just put in there. If we love feedback, there's more to learn for us and more I can do, uh, please put that in there. But I really appreciate everyone joining and all of the comments and everyone putting the information in the chat. And um, I learned just as much as, as, as you guys do. So thanks for being here and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. <laughs>